Let's open up the mailbag. Are the C's playing at their best? Where does Joe Missoula stand amongst coaches in the league? We'll look back to the Marcus Smart trade, ahead to a potential Kelly Olynyk trade, and we'll talk about the basketball gods all right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Raining Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics, pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network where it's your team every day and I got you covered every single day with a free fresh podcast that drops directly to your device. All you got to do is subscribe, open up your favorite podcasting app, click that subscribe button, boom, there you are. You are a subscriber of the show. Ring the bell on the YouTube page, hit the comment section, let me know what you're thinking over there. I'm John Corrales. I used to play a long time ago. Now I'm covering the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal and for you, really, because you're the one who's buying all of my stuff and reading all of my stuff and listening to all my stuff. So it's all for you. And today, the show is yours because it's a mailbag podcast. And so later on, we'll get into the basketball gods. It's an interesting question there. Trades, looking ahead. Kelly Olynyk, is that possible? Marcus Smart, we'll look back there. Uh, but let's just get going with, first of all, today's show brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWN for $20 off your first purchase. Let's get into it with Kay, who says, of the Celtics win over the Indiana Pacers, they were on a back-to-back. No Porzingis, missing free throws like crazy, bunch of turnovers. They still beat the Pacers by double digits and held their offense to just 100 points. Is this team right now better than ever? I I think this Celtics team, and I said it in last night's podcast, uh, by the way, bonus podcast all week, podcast five days a week, uh, anytime they play. So I'm I think I'm on I'm gonna be on like a 13 podcast in 14, 14 day stretch, along with the Celtics crazy schedule. They are playing some of their best basketball ever. This is the best this team has been. Uh, As I said in a previous podcast, this current Celtics team would probably sweep last year's Celtics team in a playoff series. Even if last year's team were able to win one, it wouldn't be close. This year's team, the way they play, the way they play for each other, the way they don't get caught up in runs, they don't get caught up in the in the emotional swings of a game, this team is playing better basketball than any team in the Tatum Brown era. That's just this, this team right now. I said it last night. This team is a championship team and not in the sense of like, yeah, they could win a championship. I I really believe that this team will win the championship this year. That's how good they're playing. This team will win the championship. That's how confident I am in their ability. No team in the NBA is as good as the Boston Celtics. And if they're playing like this all season long 
And let's just go back to last year for a second. After that loss in early December to Golden State, they kind of derailed last year. They had a similar loss to Golden State this year, and it didn't phase them. They didn't derail. That's, that is maybe like the easiest big picture thing I can, I can bring up. That's how different this Celtics team is. So yes, Kay, the short answer, this team right now playing better than they ever have. Ed asked a question about Joe Missoula. Has Joe, did Joe Missoula move up in the perceived hierarchy of NBA coaches with the C's win over Utah? His team just beat Will Hardy's. Earlier, Hardy was chosen over Joe for the Jazz coaching job. And how will this win affect Joe's rep as an up-and-coming NBA head coach? He also says he, he thinks that we're witnessing a Spolstra-type run in Boston. So, okay, my thoughts on Joe Missoula. I I use the, the Spolstra uh, comparison a lot. Not to say that Joe can become Spo, but Spolstra got the job kind of like out of the video room. Like he, he had no reputation before other than being a hard worker and a guy who understood a lot about basketball. He gets the job. LeBron comes to, to Miami. All of a sudden he's overwhelmed. The people say, and there were articles, there were articles, fire Eric Spolstra. You have to fire him now. He's not ready. You've got LeBron. The, the Miami time is now, and you can't have an inexperienced head coach coaching these guys. It's just never going to work. Well, now Spo is, is on par with uh, Greg Popovich and other elite. Like It's basically those two, right? So I'm not going to say Joe Mazzulla is going to reach that level because I don't know. That's, that's a hell of a level to reach. But they both started... Uh, I won't say in similar circumstances, but they both got thrown into the mix uh, at a young age and have had to figure it out. And I really just, I like the way Joe Mazzulla thinks about the game. I like how he thinks about the game. I've had a lot of people give me a lot of crap for, for backing Joe Mazzulla. I think he's a good coach. I think he understands not only the game, people mentality the way a human brain works and i think he's really tapping into what this team needs the, the best example i can give you is after the game uh after they went over indiana jason tatum said something i've never heard jason tatum say before he said we were playing with good intentions okay you're probably sitting there like okay yeah so they were playing with good intentions. Jason Tatum has never said good intentions anywhere, ever. You know who says that a lot? Joe Mazzulla. He talks about playing with good intentions all the time. He said it a bunch last night after the game. So if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody and turned to your significant other and said, oh man, I'm starting to sound like you now. Right. Whenever you're around somebody that you're paying a lot of attention to, you start to sound like that person. So number one thing I look for when a player, it, are the players bought into what the coach is, is selling? It's things like this. Tatum parroting the language, the specific verbiage of the his take of the game is Joe Mazzula's take of the game. 
So he's listening, he's processing, he's adopting Joe Missoula's language, how he speaks. That's how you know a player is bought in because he's he's parroting the coach. So that is meaningful. As for Joe's stature amongst the coaching fraternity and all of that, wins aren't going to – the wins and losses barely ever matter when it comes to that stuff. Where coaches earn the respect of their other coaches, it's in the film room, right? When Will Hardy goes into the film room and watches the loss to Boston and he says, oh, wow, look at that. Look at this clever little thing that Joe Mazzula did. Right. If a if Greg Popovich goes into the film room after the loss and he says, Oh, look at this. Look at how he defended us, man. This is all right. This is pretty slick. That's where coaches earn their respect from other coaches. It's not about wins and losses. Um, you know, wins and losses get attention for sure. And obviously, NBA coaches are able to process things in real time that I I mean, I certainly can't process in real time. The, these guys. I always say, these guys are like astrophysicists. I'm like a high school science teacher. I know it. I know the, the the stuff. They know it at a much more advanced level than I do, and they process it a lot more quickly. And I'm able to teach some of the science to people, to listeners and viewers and readers and all that stuff, but I, I can't process it the way the astrophysicists can. So these guys in real time can say, oh, look at this sweet, sweet move by Joe Mazzula there. And he does earn respect as the game is going on. But in the film session, in those in that setting, that's where a coach can sit there and say, boy, this Missoula, he's he's got something cooking here, man. That was pretty slick. I like the way he did that. So that's where he earns his standing amongst other coaches. So uh, there you go. We're going to come back with the question of Jason Tatum in the MVP race and a look back at the Marcus Smart trade. That's all coming up in just a second. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Our good friends over at Game Time are going to get you a great deal on last-minute tickets to games. Go download the Game Time app right now. Use the code Locked On. You're going to get $20 off your first purchase. You should use the Game Time app because they've got last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. The flash deals are just going to get you the best price if you find the ticket that you just bought somewhere else somehow in the same section of row for less you'll get a credit for 110% of the difference the zone deals you pick the section game time picks the seats you get big time savings there the flash deals are sponsored deals uh and it's at everything it's not just basketball games or sporting events it's uh concerts it's comedy it's theater it's wherever you got an arena with tickets game time has you covered. You can see the seat before you buy. You know exactly where you're going to get. All the prices are rolled into an upfront number, so you're not shocked at the uh, number at checkout. All these reasons should lead you to downloading the GameTime app right now. If you create an account, use the code LOCKEDON, $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create the account. You get uh, $20 off with the code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D, Locked on. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Thank you for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. You everydayers, you're the best. I love the fact that you're with me five days a week or six or seven days a week, whatever it is. After this show is done, head on over to Locked On Sports Today. It's the first ever 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube for national sports. 
Put it on, leave it on. You're going to get intelligent discussion, not fake contrived arguing. You're going to get analysis from the local hosts. You're going to get a level of sports discourse that doesn't exist anywhere else. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube. It's a good time. Back to the mailbag. And we got a question coming in from Poland. Lucas do you really think Tatum is in the MVP race? For me, it's Jokic and Bede. Luka are far ahead. Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Giannis, then Tatum somewhere behind that. Well, look, I, I, I agree with that. I don't think Tatum's in the MVP conversation. Uh, I think there's a little bit of best player on the best team kind of thing going on now. For now, on I'm recording this on January 7th. Tatum is not in the MVP race. And he talked about that after the win in Indy where he's like the stuff that I'm doing might not win me MVP. And he also said, I'm not chasing those kind of accolades anymore. And which is interesting for him. The, the MVP has to have big spectacular numbers. And if Tatum's going to put up 38 points and 15 points in the fourth quarter and do that on a regular basis, then yeah, he's going to get into the MVP conversation. So the thing about the Celtics being the best team in the league is that Tatum is always just going to be on the fringe of the MVP conversation. He's always just going to kind of be hanging out there, whether he's second tier, third tier, whatever tier you want to put him in. Yeah. Is Jokic going to, I think Jokic is going to be the MVP. He should be. Uh, Embiid certainly has a chance. Shea absolutely has a chance the way OKC is playing. Giannis is always in the mix. Those guys are always going to be in the mix for sure. But don't rule out Tatum going on a big run and, finding his way back into the conversation. It's as much the timing of when he does big things as it is the fact that he's doing big things. So he can always get himself back into it. But right now, currently in early January, no, he's not in it. But the the beauty of it is he doesn't seem to care as long as the Celtics keep winning and he's going to keep doing what he's doing for the Celtics to keep winning. Robert says, the other night, Marcus Smart, dropped 30 against the Lakers, and that made me ask this question. I really hope you can reflect on the trades we did last season, both Porzingis and Drew. Uh, especially Drew has been sloppy these these few weeks, and Celtics fans certainly expected more both offensively and defensively. Well, I, I don't think that, first of all, defensively, aside from the OKC game, I, thought, I think he's been really good. So he's he's been pretty good defensively. Uh, I don't think you should be uh, too worried about that. Expecting more offensively, I think I think he came in with a, a reputation of being a much better offensive player than Marcus Smart. He's a better offensive player than Marcus Smart, but not much better. Not not so much better, but he's a better – the thing that he's better at than Smart, and I, I will be – I'm – I was the resident smart guy here and like Marcus smart guy, not intelligence. I'm, I don't, whatever this Marcus smart. I, and I still love Marcus and I think he is, he is able to do things on the floor that are amazing. However, I think now in retrospect, seeing the impact of, of holiday and the emergence of Derek white, I think the one thing that, might be Marcus's big strength, his emotional kind of ability to lift a team might have also been 
more of a weakness than I cared to admit before or realized because the Celtics, I think, strength right now is their emotional stability. And I think one thing that Holiday brings is is he is the opposite of smart when it comes to on the floor, showing emotion, all of that stuff. He's just out there. He's even keeled. Uh, he's not going to force certain shots that maybe Marcus Smart did. He's not going to buy into like he he's going to he's going to force some shots, no doubt. But he's he's not going to always do it. Um, he's just even keeled. He he brings a level of emotional stability, and that. I think that's helpful. I think the Celtics team kind of needed that. Smart was great with his emotions for a while to kind of help push the Celtics through some barriers. I think now what you need from the Celtics is methodical kind of just a steady march. Just don't worry about the run. Don't worry about their run. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I think that might be the biggest weakness of Marcus's game is that the emotions that make him great are also the emotions that maybe kind of helped fuel some wild swings for the Celtics. And so I think giving up smart, I I think part of my analysis here is the understanding that they were probably going to give up Marcus smart, no matter what, like I know they pivoted from, the for Malcolm Brogdon to uh, include Marcus Smart in the deal to to get the Porzingis trade done. That makes me think that Smart was probably gone no matter what, and that makes me think that the Celtics were looking for exactly what they are getting from Holiday and White. So it's it, you know it's it, it's just a different team. It's a different team. It's a more mature team. It's a team that. At this stage, it's kind of like, you know, when I was in college versus in my 30s. You kind of need it to be a little bit different in your 30s, and that's that's kind of where they are. This The Celtics are, are playing with a level of maturity and focus and composure, and they are methodical. So I think that's, that's all part of why these trades have worked, the holiday trade especially. Um, I, I think I – think, I don't think you should be expecting more offensively from him. He'll he'll carry a quarter or he'll have a big game from time to time, but he's he's the fourth option, fifth option for sure. And I think you should just kind of adjust your expectations for that. Uh, we'll come back. We'll rapid fire. We'll talk about practices and the Celtics practices. We'll talk about trades like the Kelly Olynyk trade, and we'll talk about the basketball gods. All of that stuff is coming up in just a second. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Now that the NFL season is wrapping up, now you can go have some fun with playoff NFL. Uh, you no longer have the Patriots to pick on with your bets. Uh, but I'm sure I haven't checked the FanDuel lately, but there's probably a Belichick prop bet in there somewhere. Who, who's Belichick's next team going to be? Because he's probably done here in New England. But uh, go check out Lockdown Patriots for that, by the way. Uh, 
New customers over at FanDuel get $150 in bonus bets. Guaranteed, all you got to do is place a $5 bet. Any $5 bet, you place it, you get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Boom, win or lose. Go check out this app. It's a super cool app. You can get live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. If you're not sure what you want to bet on, go to the Explore tab. You know, poke around. And their Parlay Hub shows you the best way to find most popular parlays. You can maybe get in on some of that action. FanDuel.com slash on. You can see it on the bottom of your screen here on the YouTube page. Make your first bet a layup. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. And they also have these great tools where you can go set up your parameters, set your limits, and you can gamble responsibly. Thank you for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. Go check out Locked On NBA. Locked On NBA, I got you on Wednesdays with Jake Madison. I'll be back on the show this week. Yay, I get to talk about the NBA again. Uh, go check that show out. It's rotating hosts all week long. It's a fun, fun part of your podcast rotation. Go ahead and hop in there. Back to the mailbag. Final segment. Let's go. Let's wrap this up. Mary asks, uh, I hear people talk about how teams barely practices or how many star players don't bother to show up half the time. Seems like the Celtics have plenty of practice sessions, and when they do, every player is there. How does this compare to other teams in the NBA? Now, I don't, I don't follow the other teams' practices. I'm sure that there are some stars that they'll show up, but they may not. I think LeBron is probably not participating quite as much as some of these other guys. I think some of the older stars understand when you've been in the league for that long, you kind of understand what your where to pick your spots, where to get your rest, and staying off your feet in a practice is or or going half speed in a practice is a way to do it. The Celtics, I think, practice an appropriate amount. I, I don't think they practice a ton because especially in a series, like in, in the schedule this month, it, it's tough to find chance. Practices happen when you got a couple of days off, right? So they're not going to practice in between games. So like next Wednesday, the 17th, they play San Antonio day off Denver. They're not going to practice on that day off they're, They'll have a film session. They'll have some light shooting, but no official practice. So that'll be considered an off day. Um, guys will be in there. Guys will go through their stuff. Guys are always in there. They're going through their lifts. They're going through their film. They're going through some shooting. They're working on a couple of things. They're trying to work on little elements to their game, all of that stuff. But it's not an official practice. The Celtics practice an appropriate amount. All the guys are there. Um, but honestly, I don't know how it compares to a lot of these other teams because I'm not in any of those practices, but I assume, I assume it's not as, as bad as you think, Mary. Um, I think it's just like some of the older stars. Part two of her question asks, who is that random lonely guy in the stands on one of your background photos of the garden? Can he get a shout out? That's why I use this particular background today. Cause I think if you're on YouTube, she's talking about this guy right here over my left shoulder, this one dude who is there just standing there like he's watching me do this podcast. That's just a member of the uh, TD Garden cleaning crew. I don't know his name. I shouldn't say just. He is a member of the TD Garden cleaning crew. Uh, at this point in, in the end of the night, it's, it's probably uh, somewhere between 1 and 2 a.m. That's when I'm down there. If I'm going to be recording a podcast from the floor, if I'm able to. 
it's it's late and my post-game podcasts are generally later because I have to do my other writing first. But yeah, that dude is one of the many people who clean up the garden. I don't know his name, but shout out to him. Shout out to the whole crew. There, there are a lot of people in there that work very late hours, weird hours to get that building clean and ready for the next crowd to come in. So shout out to you. Shout out to everybody in there that's working and doing, doing that job. Uh, Peyton asks, uh, what do you think about these series of moves? Trade for Kelly Olynyk, trade for John Conchar, sign Blake Griffin, elevate Nemaish Keita. Okay, here we go. Uh, I include this, Peyton. I'm going to say, tell you up front. I'm not picking on you particular, all right? But I'm using this this as an example of mistakes that people make when they they are presenting some of these ideas, right? And I'm I'm telling you this so you know, so you can understand why this trade won't work and it's a non-starter. So the, the proposal is Kelly for Pritchard, Cornette, Banton, Stevens, and Mikhailuk. Okay, five for one is not going to happen right now. It's not. And the number one reason is they have to have five roster spots available to take in all of these guys. Even if they're going to get cut, even if they're not going to be around forever, those guys all have to fit onto the roster before the Jazz can make their their cuts, their moves, their whatever. So impossible for them to take five for one because they don't have four open roster spots. You're not allowed to have four open roster spots. So that immediately makes this trade a no-go. So this entire thing doesn't work. And I just, again, I'm not picking on you, Peyton. I'm just using this as an example. For anybody suggesting trades, it's fine to suggest trades. However, you have to understand, not only does the money have to work, but the other team, first of all, has to want what you're offering. Secondly, has to have the ability to take in the players that you want to take in. And you can say, well, okay, so send two guys out, make it a three-team trade, make it a four-team trade. Now you're getting super, super complicated. And what teams are going to hop in to be like, yeah, let's get Delano Banton and Lamar Stevens. You have to start sending out cash. You have to send out draft picks. And you're talking about dealing with Danny Ainge. He's going to want draft picks too. It gets super expensive. Trading for Kelly Olenek is almost impossible. Almost impossible. They're not going to touch their core guys. It's the other thing. They're not going to touch Pritchard. They're not going to touch Cornette. So, sorry. It's it's not happening. If Kelly Olenek gets bought out for some reason, okay, that's a different story. The Celtics can sign him. They have an open roster spot. They have a mid-level they can tap into. They have the minimum if he wants to come in. That, that's fine. Adding Kelly Olenek to this team, fine. That's fine with me. And then the other stuff, John Conchar into the TPE for a second-round pick. Again, Memphis is going to have to want that, and I don't think he's going to go for just a second-round pick. Um, I mean, maybe he will. Maybe he'll go for multiple second-round picks. I don't know. But they're going to have to want to give him up. And I don't know if a second-round pick for Memphis, like, I don't know. The, the, Conchar is getting minutes for them. I just don't think it's, I don't think it's possible. Forget Blake Griffin. He's not coming around and elevating to Keita. Absolutely. That's going to probably happen at some point. I think, uh, Derek, we're getting into some of the different questions here, but Derek says, uh, I want to know if you're a type of guy who loves watching good defense over good offense. How do you feel about teams putting up 140 plus nowadays more frequently? 
I don't want to make this sound like a cop-out answer because I, I love, I just love good basketball. And to me, you can't have one without the other and still be good basketball. You can be a good offensive team and you can watch a good offensive team. But I think if you're a good offensive team that sucks defensively, it becomes less enjoyable for me to watch. I mean, sure, I love watching guys run up and down the floor and catch dunks and shoot threes. I, I'm I'm all good with 140 points. Like I think it's okay. I'd like to see some more physicality allowed on the perimeter defensively. I don't think it has to be 140 points. I think you can have a very quality product at 110, 100, and you can you you can still like get some physicality on the perimeter and and you can see more good defense. It, it's it really is hard for me to pick because a wonderfully executed five pass uh drive kick swing 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 drive kick uh three pointer is beautiful for me to watch. A well executed fast break, a three on two um where someone gets a layup or you know someone gets a dunk anything like that is great any good individual you know just you know one on one mono a mono and and it's just talent against talent and like those are fun too but i i i love a great defensive possession as well something where it's like great rotations good discipline closeouts uh help recover uh, those types of plays where the other team is moving the ball and trying to do that stuff, that same stuff, swing, swing, drive, kick. If the defense is hanging and the ball swings and they're closing out and they're disciplined with it, they're not flying past, and the drive is is pushed into some help and then that gets pushed out to the perimeter and the offense, like a 24-second violation happens, I love that. I love a good 24 second violation. So I like both. I like both. And I think the best teams have both. Nathaniel asks, what does the playoff picture look like for the Celtics? Who will they have to play to get to the finals? What they get there? Uh, when they get there, who will they play? Can you just predict the entire playoffs for me, please? Okay, Nathaniel, no problem. Uh, let's get into the in-season tournament, the the, the postseason tournament, the play-in tournament. That's what it's called. Uh, let's see. So Boston, Milwaukee, Philly. I like that. I like that order. Uh, Orlando, Cleveland, tied four or five. New York uh, is tied there as well. Uh, let's go New York. I'll say New York will go four. Uh, Orlando's inexperienced. I'll go five. Uh, uh, I'll go Cleveland five. Orlando six, and then. Miami will get the seventh seed, and mm, let's say let's say Brooklyn gets the eighth seed. So Boston, Brooklyn, then Boston, uh, New York, and then Boston, Milwaukee. So uh, uh, Celtics in five, Celtics in six, Celtics in seven. Then they take on the Denver Nuggets and win the championship. There you go. And they they do it in six. I'll say they do it in six. That's that's my that's my predictions. Nathaniel, you're welcome. And finally, Jesse, 
says, when we talk about the basketball gods, who are they in your opinion? Like Naismith for sure, right? Maybe Red and Russell. Do you subscribe to the teachings of Kobe? The basketball gods are none of those people. There's, sure, the Pantheon, and maybe Naismith is in there somewhere, but he's too close to the game. He's, he's, the basketball gods to me are almost like a council, faceless. I see glimmering blue, just fields of energy in the shape of humans that oversee the game of basketball. So it's not, you know, red makes it to heaven, basketball heaven, Bill makes the basketball heaven, and everybody just kind of gets together. No, when I see the basketball gods, I think of an energy. I think of it almost like the force when it comes to, uh, like, Star Wars. There's this energy field that binds the entire basketball world together. It flows through all of us. And when you use it incorrectly, when you're not uh, when you're not true to the game, the basketball gods say, oh, well, you shall be punished. Doesn't always happen, but yeah, I don't see, now we can get into a Mount Olympus style of those who have passed and who might they be, but that's not what I'm talking about when I think basketball gods. Now, yeah, red would be in the mix for sure. A lot of the old uh, NBA guard would would be in there uh and i'm sure each team would have plenty of representatives so there's there are a lot of people who would be involved but when i talk about the basketball gods it is the the basket the nba version basketball version of the force and to me when you play the game the wrong way it comes back to haunt you in in a certain sense and it may not be immediate comeuppance like a missed shot or turnover or something like that. But I think ultimately uh, consistently playing the wrong way just generally leads to bad things. And when you play the game the right way, good things will happen. And that's really what the concept of the basketball gods are. It's the reward for playing the game the right way, making good decisions. Look, you, you go in, you practice at 100%. You lift, you get your treatment, you eat right, you prepare yourself, and you will be rewarded. And I say the basketball gods as a fun way to talk about it, but really, that's just kind of like you're being rewarded for being prepared. Like a guy like Peyton Pritchard does that stuff. And when he gets in, he plays well, despite some of the shortcomings, despite not having, you know, the matchup in, you know, for every situation. That's what I'm talking about. If you cheat the game, if you're like Jordan Poole, then the basketball gods frown on you and you play like absolute crap when you've got a bunch of talent, but you cheat the game and you treat it with disrespect and the game will turn around and punish you for it because you're not taking it seriously. And when you're unserious in the NBA, you get left behind. That's, that's the concept of the basketball gods. Put the work in, respect the game, respect your opponents, things will go well. Disrespect the game, disrespect yourself and your body and the opponent, and you in turn will be disrespected by the game and you'll look like a fool out there. Those are the basketball gods. Thank you for uh, everybody 
for being gods in your own right. I'm not going to steal Jay King's thing. That's his terminology, but it's so natural right there. Uh, you are all podcasting gods, uh, in my opinion. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of the show. Thank you for being an everydayer. Again, no one's giving you the podcast that I'm giving you. Monday through Friday, plus post-game pods on the weekends, plus back Monday through Friday. I'm answering mailbag questions. If you want to get your mailbag question in, it's johncorrales.com slash mailbag. Send them in throughout the course of the week. I'll pick uh, a bunch once a week as if I can, maybe once every two weeks during the season here. But I will answer these questions as best I can. So make sure you're submitting there, johncorrales.com slash mailbag. Uh, everybody now, if you're not subscribed, please subscribe. If you are subscribed, please share the podcast. Tell everybody that they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day.